Today I would like to come to you with something that the Father rarely ever does with me personally, but he has. Just recently I received a dream, what I truly believe is from the Father, and my wife was able to get an interpretation for this that I would love to share with you. I believe that it is very important because there are many people in the body today who are feeling like they're running in circles after their deliverance. I want to submit to you, brothers and sisters, that the enemy, we, we have an enemy, Satan. He has his servants, demons. We see a large portion of Jesus's ministry, Yeshua's ministry is devoted to casting them out. And I want to submit to you that they are still busy trying to oppress people and put people in bondage. You see, what the enemy really wants us to do is jump through hoops and hurdles and waste our time. Hope to have us start at the way beginning over and over, running after freedom, never seemingly being able to find it. It's like that game we played when we were young. What was it? Snakes and ladders. That's what the snake is doing today. And he's after the children. Brown sisters. I want to submit to you that we really need to ask ourselves a big question. Have we, without even realizing it, without having bad intentions, even played a role in what the enemy is trying to do in the midst of God's people today? Because you need to remember that Yeshua's main enemies, the ones whom the snake was influencing most in the Bible of the New Testament, were the religious man. So just because you're a religious man or a religious lady doesn't mean that the enemy won't use you. In fact, I think he hopes to use you most. The question is, is will you allow him to see God has a cost to freedom. He says, I have a burden. And then we have man who also brings a burden. And what I mean by that is when we see what Yeshua says, he talks in Matthew 11, verse 28, and he says, let's open it up here. He says, come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, my burden is light. Yeshua is saying here that he has a yoke, that he has a burden, but it's light. It's different from the burdens and yokes of the world. Why is it light? See, he says, surrender. Give your life up and you will find it. Surrender and I will deliver you by the power of my spirit. Let me do the work. All you do is surrender, but surrender is not easy. That is something that we have to choose to do. But at the same time, even though Yeshua's yoke is light, mankind has come with their own yoke, their own burdens. In fact, Yeshua spoke about these many times and he said that there are these who come and you he spoke to them and he said, you come and you bring your burdens and put them on the shoulders of men. Yet you are not even willing to lift them with your own finger. He's speaking about the burdens that religion, false religion can bring to people. 
In fact, he was most specifically even speaking to ministers of the Lord, people who were supposed to be looking after the flock. Now, this was my introduction. Let me speak to you about this dream I had. In this dream, it is quite interesting. I, I have and I want to submit to you just as I'm going to say this to you, every single element in this dream has a prophetic meaning. And and I after that, having the dream, I told it to my wife and my wife received the revelation and she was the one who just said this and this and this and this and this. And, you know, then we we conversed and received revelation together on what it all meant. Um, in this dream, I am I have a book. And this book is a book from my childhood that I had since being a child. And it's beaten up like it's old. It's it's kind of falling apart. Right. And I am taking this book to a restoration shop. And this shopkeeper says, you know, oh, our minimum is three hundred dollars. You pay that and, you know, we'll take care of it. We'll we'll make this book as good as new. And I'm like, oh, great. You know, I really love this book. Please do that for me. And so I come back later to fetch it when it's done. And now the shopkeeper comes and tells me, well, you know, uh, we weren't able to actually fix everything. In fact, this is probably about $18 worth of work. And, you know, there's a few things that are, you know, beyond repair for us. And I'm like, OK, and, 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 you know, I'm about to pay for the work and they say, oh, you know, but it's, it's going to be three hundred dollars. And I ask, well, well, you know, since you could not fix everything that you promised, can I just pay for, you know, what you actually did? And so the lady calls the manager and the manager comes and says, sorry, sorry, policy is policy. It will be three hundred dollars. And so then when I push back a little and ask, well, please, I mean, can we reconsider just 300 is a lot for for this. And then the lady looks at me and says something strange. She says, do you really want to destroy this relationship? Or do you want to preserve it? And then I woke up from this dream and I heard the voice of the father saying, turn the other cheek. Okay, so let's unpack this. This book from my childhood is like the book that all of us have. We all have a book of memories. Really, this is our memories from our childhood. Everything we remember, our experiences. And when we think upon them, we get nostalgic. We we even cherish them. And but at the same time, this book that I had, right, was kind of falling apart because it represented the memories that many of us struggle with that are tra traumas from our past experiences that were traumatic. And so we take these experiences and these traumas and we realize that, you know, we as much as we cherish our, ch our childhood, these experiences and these traumas need to be fixed because they are holding us back even as adults and will for the rest of our lives until we confront them. And so what we do with them is we take our book of memories and we take it to someone who we hope, who we trust could be able to help us get healing to help this book get repaired.
And so often that is a minister of the Lord, a church we go to or whatever. Right. And so then we go there and then and then something happens. They tell us, well, it's going to be three hundred dollars. There's a fee and you think, wow, okay, this fee, it's heavy. It's a lot. This it's, it's a little bit of a burden. But you know what? I really need these burdens, these traumas of my childhood repaired. And so I think, you know what? It'll be worth it. You see what this three hundred dollar fee really represents is the religious burdens that we put on the shoulders of men. And we tell them, if you want to be free, you need to do this, this, this and this, and then you will be free. Then you can be free. We saw a lot of this even happen when this this amazing thing happened in Asbury. And and whenever there are things happening that that are amazing, you have certain people coming with their false religious beliefs saying, you know, I I don't believe that this can be a move of God because they need to do this, this, this and this. And then it can be a real move of God. Then it can be a true deliverance. Then I can believe for it to be real. Or what about the pastors who who have the congregants come to them and say, I need to get baptized. I need to give my life to the Lord. And then the pastor says, well, before you get baptized, go through this six month course first, this program first. And after you go through the course and the program, you know, then we can look at you scheduling you for a baptism. Or whatever it is, there are many erroneous doctrines and teachings even about casting on demons, about deliverance itself. You can see, I want to submit to you that so often those traumas, those hurts, those things that we go through become open doors for the enemy, Satan, for a demon itself to come in at our childhood and oppress us all throughout our life. But then when we come to a pastor or a a church, and and of course, I'm I'm generalizing, we are we have good and we have Brunswick Church. We have a wonderful. I love the church. We have wonderful pastors and ministry leaders. I love that. I love them. I am close with them and I I uh, am in ministry myself. But I want to submit to you that the father is highlighting something. We sometimes say, oh, policy is policy. In other words, like that lady in the dream said, policy is policy. We say policy is policy. We do things the way we do things and nothing is else is available that we are closing ourselves up to other ways, even biblical ways of doing things, because freedom has to come on our terms and even, dare I say, from our ministry. Brothers and sisters, I want to submit to you that God is saying, I am revealing my my ancient ways of old of bringing freedom to people. Listen to me. Listen to me. There are ways of bringing freedom to people that God is restoring from the ministry of Yeshua himself to his people. But there are many of us who are hard hearted and saying, well, that sounds strange, even if it's in the Bible, even if it's right in his ministry. We say, well, I don't like that because it looks strange, because it's not pretty. You know, Yeshua's ministry wasn't as, quote unquote, may I say, pretty. 
with if I might use it in in the terms of how we consider what we consider pretty because you, mankind when we think about prettiness and religion we have pretty churches in all over Europe or they are they're so beautiful the architecture is beautiful squeaky clean all of that but Yeshua's ministry wasn't like that Yeshua's ministry was one where there were people screaming crying out whereas demons came out of them Yeshua's ministry was one where he spit and used his spit on the eyes of a man who got healed from his blindness. Come on, that's not pretty. Yeshua's ministry was 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 not how we would expect, because sometimes the Holy Spirit desires to do things unexpectedly. Come on. And I want to submit to you that we have to say, God, I am willing to take to go wherever your spirit carries me. Because, see, if you want to have a cosmetic ministry, if you want to have a cosmetic faith, if you want to have a cosmetic uh, relationship with God, come on, if you want to have a cosmetic one, but not a real one, then yes, do what the Pharisees did. They had the outside of the cup all pretty, all clean, cosmetic, while the inside was dirty. And see, when you go to a church or a fellowship or a minister who is all about the cosmetic and who, is, who isn't real, who doesn't get down and dirty, and you, you find that they will get cosmetic with you. They will get you clean on the outside. They will teach you how to smile and wave when you come to church. They will teach you how to smile and act all holy. They will teach you how to pretend like everything's all right. But then you go home and you pick up a bottle. Then you go home and watch the porn. Then you go home and you indulge in sin. Then you go home and your children are the way they are because your relationship with God is as cosmetic as your pastors. Your relationship with God is cosmetic because it's modeled after someone who hasn't taught you to get down and dirty, get, get down on your knees and on your face, pouring out your heart for, with God and saying, God, I need you to change me. God, I need you to deliver me from my demons. God, I need you to deliver me from my children, from my sickness. God, I need you to deliver me from my depressions. See, brothers and sisters, I want to submit to you that we will be known by our fruit. The world is not going to be uh, uh, going to be persuaded by our pretensions and our pretentious ways. Come on, be with. Come on, be, just just write in the chat. Amen. Because like we think we can pretend as believers, but the world sees our pretensions and that's why they don't want what we want have. It's because they see hypocrisy. They see us say one thing and do another. That's why we have we have kids in fellowships. Oh, yeah, they keep the Sabbath, but they want to commit suicide. Yeah, they keep the Sabbath, but they're depressed. Yeah, that we, we've taught them how to, you know, uh, go to church every Sunday. We've taught them how to how to attend the Sunday school Bible study. We have we've taught them how to get how to clean off their suit and tie as they get ready for fellowship. But we haven't taught them who Yeshua really is and what he really wants. You see, I want to submit to you that we've been holding back so much from young and old alike. But we see in the book of Acts that the message was that he's going to pour out his spirit upon young men and old and they're going to prophesy. 
And see, sometimes when there's prophecy, it's not pretty. Because like my one friend I just spoke to yesterday told me he was a young boy, 10, 12 years old, and the Lord filled him and he went up to the front of the church and prophetically started speaking and rebuking the pastor, saying how they go and they they take all their money and they take all their investment and they invest it overseas in all kinds of things. But they don't invest in their own people and in their own community. Like that's something that this ma- this little boy, little child who knows what does he know? He goes and he proclaims that, and the pastor's like, "Are you sure?" And yet many congregants came after that to him and said, "What you said was the, from the Lord. What you said was from the Lord. Thank you. Now you know what the voice of the Lord sounds like, young child." See, sometimes when God speaks through a child, it's not pretty. Sometimes it's not what we want to hear. Sometimes when a a prophet is raised, we want to pick up stones. Sometimes when a dream is dreamed as Acts in the book of Acts, Peter says they will dream dreams. When we hear dreams and we hear the interpretations, we don't like it because we're so comfortable with our cosmetic Christianity. Brothers and sisters, I want to submit to you that I was just we just this last weekend came back and had a conference, a youth rally, and we had a town meeting. Many youth showed up and there was a young boy. My heart broke because he was a young man. He was probably 10, 12 years old and he's laying on the ground, shaking and manifesting a demon. A young boy who believes in Jesus, shaking, manifesting a demon. And demons were cast out of him and he received freedoms. It was another boy who came to me saying, hey, can I can you can you pray for me? I have allergies. And I'm like, oh, wow. And I just lay hands on him. Father, I thank you for freedom from these allergies in the name of Yeshua. Amen. And and he's like, is that it? I'm like, yeah. And it was crazy because the next day the mom comes to me and she tells me this. She says, Petey. I need to tell you something. My boy was the one you prayed for, for the allergies. And last night he discovered a bar, you know, one of these 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 bars that we eat, right? Uh, Whatever you call it. And and he ate it in the car ride home. And she looks at the wrapper and on the wrapper is just about every ingredient except for one or the things that her boy has been allergic to for 14 years where his throat would swell up and things would happen. But then she looks at her boy. And as time goes on, she discovers nothing is happening to him. And she says to me, he's healed, Petey. Thank you and help my unbelief, but thank you so much. See, brothers and sisters, God is calling us to believe for greater things and deeper things. To to take risks, because that's what faith is. But see, this is what's going to happen, just as in that that dream that I had. When I asked the shopkeeper, you know, $300 since you you couldn't even really help me with that. You know, don't you think that we can drop that price? 
But see, even at that high price, sometimes that we pay where people put burdens and and things in front of us for our healing, even at that high price, we don't get the deliverance that we've sought. And then they tell us when we ask, well, you know, don't you think that we should just do it biblically? They say, well, don't you think that do you really want to hurt this relationship? And this is the manipulation that they bring forth. See, brothers and sisters, I want to submit to you. Then we say, oh, it's all your fault when someone doesn't get their deliverance. And this is what I felt the Lord said. Then what we do is we create doctrines of to justify our manipulation. And what I mean by that is we do things like this. We say, oh, well, you know, we don't want to deal with demons. Because, you know, that, that looks kind of strange. We've seen it on TV and then even as pastors, some pastors say, you know, I don't want to deal with that. That, that looks dirty. And, and then we make a new doctrine up. We say, well, Christians can't have demons. And how how. How. How easy is that? How comfortable is that for us? What an easy way out, because what happens is, well, that means that demons will never need to manifest in my church because my church is full of Christians. And since Christians can't have demons, all I need to worry about is getting them to say a prayer and say, Jesus, come into my heart. And then that's fine. And then when someone comes to us in church and says, I think I have a demon, what we do is we point the finger at the person and we say, well, that can't. Well, then you're not a believer. Because believers can't have demons. And so what we do is instead of actually going after the demon that's causing the oppression on this poor soul, what we do is we point the finger at the person and say, well, it's because you're not saved. It's because your belief is not real. And then we inspire doubt of salvation in a man because he is being oppressed and we're doing the work of Satan himself. Because that's what the demons like to say. The demons are the one who put depression on people and suicidal thoughts and who try and, and separate them from God. And then we play the same role. We we do the same thing. They say we say the same thing. They say, well, Christians can't have demons. Don't worry about it or you're not really a Christian. And we don't actually go after what they need. Jesus never said to anyone when they came to him, well, you're a believer, aren't you? Well, then you can't have a demon. Jesus casted out the demons. He didn't make all of these excuses that we make. Man, brothers and sisters, Christians can have whatever they want to have. Christians can have uh, can look at pornography. Christians can murder. Christians can sin. They can gossip. They can lie. They can steal, kill and destroy. They can do whatever they want. Just because you're a believer doesn't mean that you immediately stop doing evil. We all stumble in many ways. Even though we should not practice sin, we still stumble. Christians can have whatever they want. They can open any door they want. And you can open the door to a demon. And you can have a door in your, of your past open where you had, like we talked about, that book full of memories and traumas that each of one of us carry. We can have brokenness in that book because of our past. And there we allow demons in and they can still be there. Because just because I say Jesus coming to my heart doesn't mean I just suddenly manifest and a demon comes out of me. 
Does that happen? Can that happen? Absolutely. But that's definitely not what always happens. There would be no reason for Yeshua to command us to go out and cast out demons if no Christian can have a demon, because in that case, we don't need to cast out demons. We only need them to get to believe in Jesus and in the gospel. We just say, believe in Jesus, repent of your sins. OK, cool. People do that. Great. No need to ever cast out a demon if, if that's the way that they get delivered. That is an avenue of deliverance. I have seen people get delivered in their baptism when we believe what baptism really is. And then they get delivered. But I have also seen and 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 seen seen many Christians who come and and they need deliverance. Yesterday, I was on a call of someone, a believer as as much of a believer as anyone can be. But he had certain things in his life. And he had demons who were cast out, some by his wife, and then even more when I met him by me. See, brothers and sisters, like God is coming and he is saying, I am restoring the breach. It is not written anywhere in his word that Christians can't have demons. So stop making it your doctrine because you don't want to deal with them. If you and if you and, and here's the thing, if we want to talk about, OK, well, what is the true doctrine regarding all of this? And let's try and study this out. Then at least make sure you're doing it. You're practicing casting on demons as Jesus commanded us to do before you try and teach on it. And don't listen to people who teach on casting on demons and what it is and what it's not if they don't practice it, because ultimately they won't understand. Because you won't be able to, and, and I'm not saying we can't teach to any degree, but you won't be able to have a full revelation of this, of casting out demons if you don't practice it yourself. See, Jesus didn't teach on things that he didn't do himself. That's what the Pharisees did. Come on. The Pharisees were the ones who, did, who, who spoke about a lot of things, but did very few things. Yeshua was the one who spoke on things and did those things. He was not a hypocrite. So if we want to teach on things, let's do those things. And this is why you won't find anyone who practices casting on demons, having this doctrine that Christians can't have them because you don't need to be doing it long to come across a Christian with a demon. And then but we don't even have to just go on what what our experiences say. We can just go on what the Bible says and how Jesus entered synagogues, many and caused our demons out of attendance to synagogues. You know who goes to synagogues, who, who goes to listen to Moses being read in the synagogue? It's people who believe in Yahweh. It's people who believe. People who are believers. When the, 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 demon, the demoniacs, the, the people who are oppressed were faced by Yeshua, they came to him. They came to him. They, they were drawn to him and they wanted to be free. Why would they come to him and want to be free? Because they believed that he had the power to set them free. Come on. They were in that sense, a believer, because a believer is someone who believes that Yeshua is who he says he is. 
The blind man who screamed out and says, Yeshua, set me free. You are the one who can set me free. That man is a believer. And Yeshua says, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. That man believes. And so a man who has the faith in that Yeshua can set them free, even if that man has demons, can be set free indeed. Let's not point the finger at the oppressed. See, brothers and sisters, at the same time, when I woke up from this dream, um, I want to submit to you that I, I, I heard this, the father speak and say, turn the other cheek. And this is this is what I want to start concluding with here. We are in a place right now where the father is pouring out many mighty things upon his people. He is pouring out his spirit upon children like I have never seen. He is delivering them. He is giving them all that they need. And they are they are tired of of surface level, cosmetic, lukewarm Christianity. What they want is the real deal. They I was I was standing before a crowd of youth this last weekend. And, and before I went, I asked father, how do I speak to young people? And he told me, Petey, you speak to them just the same way that you speak to the adults, uncompromisingly telling them how it is and challenging them to the greater things and speaking my word of what I'm calling them to, to be warriors. They don't need a watered down gospel message. They don't need a watered down religious system. They don't need anything watered down. They need it all as real as it is. They need to know that they can cause our demons. They need to cause our demons themselves. And that's why we had testimonies of youth causing our demons. Even this last weekend, this is what the Lord is doing in them. And we should not resist them. We should not keep them back. But as for those who are going to be trying to keep them back, as for those who are going to be pointing the finger at the biblical things that Yeshua is calling us back to at the movings of the spirit, as the Pharisees pointed the finger at the movings of the spirit. As for those, how do we treat them? We turn the other cheek. We understand that our battle is not against flesh and blood. You see, when I'm busy causing our demons and someone wants to point a finger, I need to understand that it's only demons that would point a finger and my battle is not against flesh and blood. It was the demons inside the Pharisees who said that this is by Beelzebub that Yeshua cast out demons because it's only demons that are offended by the casting out of demons. A kingdom divided against itself cannot stand. And so in that way, Satan cannot cast out Satan. But Satan will certainly criticize casting out of Satan. He will try and come against it. And so because we understand our battle is not against flesh and blood, I don't argue with demons. I proclaim and I speak the truth. Yeshua did not go into long arguments with demons. And what I mean by that is not just when he's causing our demons, I'm talking about the demons inside the Pharisees. He answered them with a question concisely in a way that they could not respond. And then he continued to do what he came to do. The people who he casted our demons from were those who wanted to be free. 
and who came for that desire. We are facing two generations again, just like in the wilderness. There was a generation that died in the wilderness and there was a generation that were set to enter the promised land. I want to submit to you that at we are right now at the cusp of this same reality. Again, we have a generation and this is, by the way, got nothing to do with age, with how old or young you are. But there is a generation of people who are still with their hearts in bondage in Egypt, and they don't want to come out of it. They want to continue with the lemons and the leeks of Egypt. And so they're in the wilderness, pointing the finger at Moses and the works of the spirit and even at God. And then there are a a group of people who are hungry for what God has promised them in the promised land who do not want Egypt nor her delicacies anymore. See, brothers and sisters, there are there is there are reports going out right now as I speak from the 12 spies and you will hear them depending on what generation you are. Will you hear it as a bad report or will you hear it as a good report? See, there are many giants in the land. But the question is, is will you hear the voice of the promised land calling you or will you hear the voice of the giants? But, but, but the giants, what had to happen is as they brought the fruit back from the land, as the 12 spies did, what you need to do is inspect the fruit of the land to see if this is from the promised land, from where God, what God has promised his people. And if the fruit is good, if the fruit is beautiful, then you go forth and you go no matter what giant is in the land, no matter what demon there is to face. Because see, spiritually speaking, symbolically speaking, demons are often portrayed as giants. Even as the Nephilim as a as another parallel of demonic oppression and influence giants. So in the same way, brothers and sisters, I want to submit to you that there are many giants in the land, spiritually speaking, even physically speaking. There are many giants in the land, even among God's people today and pastors and leaders. I am calling upon you to if you are mature in this, praise God. If you are not, if you do not know how to go after the giants and fight through them by the power of the spirit. Now is the time to ask the Lord to equip you. Now is the time to ask the Lord to allow that to happen in your fellowship, because there are people in your fellowship who have demons who are being oppressed and you would never know because they're really good at hiding. The the demons are really good at hiding. And so I want to ask you to pray and fast for the Lord to come and do a mighty thing of deliverance in your fellowship to bring that forth, because I want to submit to you that there is two generations, the generation that will die in the wilderness because they will never go forth and attack the giants. They will not go forth after the giants that are fa- we are facing right now. But what they will do is they will shy away and they will say, no, 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 we want it to be squeaky clean lean instead. We want it to be like the lemons and the leeks instead. We don't want it to be that way. But are you going to be that or are you going to be like Yeshua was a ministry that was real, a ministry that was deep, a ministry that was not watered down, nor just clean on the outside, but clean on the inside too. 
That is the ministry that he is calling his people. This is the spirit and truth revival that demands holiness and that demands a move of the spirit. We will not quench the spirit. We will allow him to go forth and we will not let the enemy work in our midst anymore. So brothers and sisters, young and old leaders, no matter who you are, come and pick up your weapons and become a part of what the Lord is calling us all to. Father, I just pray right now for every person who is listening to this, Lord. I pray that your spirit would come upon them and equip them with everything, Lord, of your spirit that is needed so that they can go and walk in mighty power and confidence of who you are and what you've sent us to do. Lord, I thank you that you equip all your people with the authority to cast our demons. Father, I pray for the breaking of chains. I thank you for the breaking of bonds. I thank you, Lord, for the breaking of bad doctrines and false doctrines and manipulations and even spirits of manipulation. Father, I pray, Lord, that you would come with your people and send to them, raise up people and ministries that will not ask the put would, would not come to put the burdens before the freedom of others, but would come and go after that bondage with the Holy Spirit. Father, I pray, Lord, that you would come and raise a mighty generation that is going to be on fire and not compromise in any way with the thoughts and ideas and 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 bondages of men that we put on the shoulders of others. And so I speak right now in the name of Yeshua to every unclean spirit and anyone listening to this, any spirit of witchcraft, adulteries, fornications in the name of Yeshua, every unclean spirit right now of trauma, of hurt, of anger, of rage in the name of Yeshua, I command you to come out now. I speak to every unclean spirit right now, the sound of my voice. I command you to leave every person watching right now. I speak right now to every unclean spirit that is a lying spirit, a suicidal spirit, a spirit of depression. I speak to you in the name of Yeshua now. And I command you to come up and out now. I cast you out into the abyss in the, to the, in the name of Yeshua. I cast you out. I bind you and I cast you out in the name of Yeshua right now. Father, I thank you right now Father, for every spirit that is a lying spirit that seeks to impose bad doctrines upon the people of God. You come out of the people of God now in the name of Yeshua. Father, I thank you, Lord, in the name of Yeshua, for every principality, every unkundalini snake spirit in the name of Yeshua of new age, of witchcraft, of drugs, in the name of Yeshua, of addictions come out now in the name of Yeshua. Father, I thank you, Lord, for your Holy Spirit to come upon everyone listening now. I think of your Holy Spirit to be in the room, your Holy Spirit to immerse, to baptize, to fill to give confidence in who you've called him to be. Father, I thank you for your Holy Spirit to come in and empower your people in the name of Yeshua now. If you're in the room and there is someone who's manifesting a demon where you are at right now, I need you to pray for that person. And if you have started to manifest a demon and you're alone, please continue praying and even go to seek further prayer from someone who can help cause that out of you. I want to say a special thank you to join, for joining me here today. Please share this video. The people of the Lord is he wants to set them free, but we need to play a role in sharing what he wants to do. And I want to say a special thank you to everyone 
who has come and joined me here today. Thank you so much for partnering with us and allowing us to do what we're doing here on Rise on Fire every week. Many, many blessings and shalom to you.